It's great to be here. My heart has been blessed over and over again already. I've got a lot on my heart, uh, too much to share with you this morning in a few minutes. Uh, We want to give you a a brief report. We want to spend some time in the Word and uh, hopefully get you thinking about some things and challenge you in your walk with the Lord. But um, it's just really great to be here. I want to thank you so much for your partnership in the gospel. And um, we're going to be, Linda and I are going to be in the back after. Usually when I speak, I like to give opportunity for people to ask questions, interrupt, um, try to clarify things, but I think maybe this morning that isn't the, the thing to do. So if you have something to, that, that uh, you didn't understand or a question or something like that, save it and uh, catch us in the back there and we'll try to clarify that for you. But uh, it's just a real blessing to be here. You know, um, I took out my membership in this church at least 50 years ago. And, uh, and Linda and I have been serving the Lord at partners with Limerick Chapel uh, for 46 years in Bolivia. And the Lord is continuing to give us the health and strength to, to do that. And, and we want to continue to serve him uh, yet for a while down there. And so some of the things I'm going to share, I have things that, that have been in the past, and some of the things are, are things that are going on now, and some of the things are things that, uh, that, um, that God, doors that God is opening up for us at this time there in Bolivia. Um, but I, when I get to sharing from the Word, what's, what's been on my heart is what we've already heard this morning several times, and that is the gospel, we heard it three times through the baptism. We heard it in some prayers. Uh, the gospel. What is the gospel? When I talk to people in churches, I find that there's a lot of confusion about what the gospel is. Uh, people who perhaps are, are misplacing their trust. You know, in the Christian circles, we have a lot of, a lot of jargon for the gospel. And sometimes I have fallen into not giving a clear gospel. I want you to think about this question, and then we'll get into some a little bit more about our ministry, and then we'll come back to a question. But if a close friend of yours was in an accident or wound up in the hospital and the doctor told him, you know what, you're in bad shape, you will possibly only have a few hours to live or a few days at the most. And that friend of yours called you and said, please come. Come be with me. I know you go to church and I want to know how I can be sure I'm going to heaven. What would you tell them? That is your gospel. And I want to examine the word of God a little bit this morning and and make sure that our gospel is what the Bible says. Not what the church says or other things, but what does the Bible say? So I was mentioning, we've been in Bolivia for 46 years. Um, Been involved in tribal missions. We're with a mission organization called Ethnos 360. Uh, Used to be New Tribes Mission. And so when we went to Bolivia... Our goal was to reach the unreached, tribal people, 
uh, in the country of Bolivia. I grew up there. My mom and dad were also members of this church and supported by this church for many, many years. Mom and dad were married in that little church across the street there. Uh, And uh, they're both in heaven now, a place that's getting more populated by people that I love and know. And so I'm kind of looking forward a little more to being there. And I'm uh, one day closer today than I was yesterday, and that's a good thing. We went to Bolivia, had a little baby of uh, six weeks old, Julie, our, our, young, our oldest, and, uh, and um, learned Spanish. Linda learned Spanish. I grew up there, so I knew Spanish. And then we moved into the jungles of Bolivia to reach the Yuki. They were a nomadic group of people who uh, wandered the jungles, literally thinking that they were the only people that existed in this world. Did you know that there are at least 40 uncontacted tribes in Bolivia? or in, uh, in Brazil, the Amazon, uh, that still live in that way, isolated so much by the jungle uh, that they think that they're the only people that exist in this world. It's hard to fathom that in this day and age that we live in with tech- technology and all that's going on and, and the con- connectivity that there is and so on. But there are tribal groups still in the Amazon jungle. According to the Brazilian government, they estimate that there are at least 40 uh, language groups and cultures, whole nations, uh, living that kind of lifestyle and have never, never, they've never heard about Jesus. And there's nobody going to go and tell them. And the, the Brazilian government actually restricts people from going. And yet God says there's going to be some from every tongue, tribe, and nation represented in heaven. And uh, I don't know how that's going to happen, but maybe God wants to use you to do that job. Maybe he wants you to give your life and go down there and, and learn several foreign languages and live in the jungles of, of Brazil and reach a, an, an uncontacted group. And so much to tell you about that, but so little time, so... Uh, but we were able to befriend these guys after they, they shot at us. We dodged arrows, and uh, several of us were wounded and so on. And, uh, but we were able to befriend them after, after years. We worked in this ministry for 13 years and uh, brought them to the place where they settled down in the village. Missionaries lived with them, learned their language, began translating the Bible into their language. And there are some Yuki people that are, are children of God. They've gone to heaven, and they're there. Uh, not all of them, but uh, some of them, and, and that's our partnership. We've, we've reached the Yuki people with the gospel. Uh, we also lived amongst the Ayure, another uh, group of people. We were there just helping the missionary team that, uh, that was ministering to the Ayure. I actually grew up with the Ayure because uh, my mom and dad worked with the Ayure people, and uh, Linda and I also worked with them for about three years uh, and um, that was another ministry, and there are believers. The uh, Bible's been translated into their language, and uh, there are churches amongst the Ayure, about seven or eight churches amongst the Ayure, and they're meeting today, uh, glorifying Christ, and um, that's our partnership in the gospel. I was also a director of an MK school, a boarding school, for three years. won't say much about that ministry, uh, because uh, I really wanted to be out in the tribe, but uh, now we're in another tribe, the third tribe that we're in, the Simba Guarani down south in southern Bolivia. 
Uh, we've been there for 26 years, uh, learned their language, and uh, also in, been involved in translating the New Testament into their language. Uh, gave them a copy of the New Testament and some of the Old Testament in uh, 2016 that was completed. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. We have a church there in the village of Taperillas where we live, in a Bible center where we hold Bible conferences and teach and disciple. We've uh, taught and discipled in many communities. We travel and get to these communities and hold Bible conferences, usually weekend Bible conferences start on a Thursday evening and then teach the Word all day Friday, all day Saturday, and half a day Sunday. Uh, feed, feed the people and teach the Word and hold Bible conferences, and we do the same there in Taperillas, where we live, amongst the Simba Guarani. But pray for the church there in Taperillas, where we live. It's a struggling church. Sin is devastating the testimony of Christ. Sin, sin, sin amongst believers. And uh, unbelievers don't want to have much to do with the church because of sin. And Satan is, uh, is just decimating uh, the, the church in Taperillas um, because of sin. Uh, we have three men and families that we have discipled and are ministering to their own people in other communities uh, Felix Avendaño and Soila are down south of us, about 100 kilometers, and are reaching out to the more isolated Simba Guarani people. And then Julio and Flora and Arturo and Maria live in other communities and are uh, pastoring the churches and leading and ministering uh, to their people. And um, we're, we're just asking the Lord to raise up more Simba believers uh, that would walk with the Lord in a way that would bring honor uh, to him. More recently, God has opened up some other doors for us, and um, uh, just uh, where, was in the, the city of Cochabamba helping a national missionary. New Tribes Mission has a, uh, a training center, a Bible school training center for Bolivian people that want to be missionaries. And there was a, a student and his family, his wife, that were moving down into the lowlands of Bolivia to uh, teach at a Bible school that was started to teach tribal uh, people uh, and to help them prepare to be missionaries to their own, to their own people and their own language and so on. And, and I offered, uh, I have a pickup truck and, uh, and a trailer, and I offered to help this guy move down there. Uh, to San Lorenzo, a village amongst the Trinitario people in, in, in lower Bolivia. And uh, the time came to, to travel in January, and the jungles had flooded. The roads were impassable. You can only get in there either by boat or by airplane about half of the year at least. And uh, January is wet season, and we couldn't get in. And so the pilot and head of a, a ministry in Bolivia called ITM... International Tribal Ministries um, said, bring your stuff up to the city of Cochabamba and I'll fly it in in the airplane. And uh, classes were going to start in February, I believe. And so I said, well, I'll, I'll drive you up to Cochabamba. I spent time with uh, Luis uh, getting up to Cochabamba. A truck overheated in the mountains, climbing up uh, into the Andes and Cochabamba. Cochabamba is about 8,000 feet. And um, 
And uh, so we got a lot of time together and spent an extra day or two uh, in the city of Cochabamba. And uh, Tony, the head of ITM, International Tribal Ministries, put me up. Tony is an ex-New Tribes missionary or Ethnos 360 missionary, a good friend that I've known uh, since he was in high school. Uh, his parents were missionaries also and spent some some days helping him with uh, a plane that he's rebuilding in the hangar and uh, and waiting for my truck to get a new water pump on it and so on and spent time with Luis too, the missionary that's going down into the lowlands. And a few days after that, uh, or a week or two after that, Tony called me and or sent me a text message and asked him if I'd join ITM in, in the leadership of that mission. And so the Lord has opened up that door. We're part of ITM also in, in a spiritual uh, leadership role uh, to the missionaries. They, they have mostly national missionaries, Bolivian missionaries, some 20 or so Bolivian missionaries and a few North American uh, missionaries on their team. And they're involved in a ministry in the town of San Lorenzo, where this guy Luis was going to, uh, called CBM, Centro Biblico Misionero, uh, Missionary Bible Center. And this is where they have gathered uh, people from four different tribes, uh, actually 12 families, and are teaching them uh, to be missionaries to their own people. And so we have been in, in uh, San Lorenzo at CBM. Uh, several times and are involved in in that ministry too. And those are ministries that God is opening up for us recently in Bolivia, and we trust that we can continue to serve in in that capacity in some of these ways uh, there as uh, the Lord leads forward. Uh, Another ministry that we've been involved in is uh, ministry to married couples. In, In the churches there in Bolivia, there's a real need for ministry to married couples. Linda and I have been married 49 years, and we're happily married. We have a strong marriage, and the Lord has used, uh, used uh, our testimony in that area to encourage a lot of uh, young married people, and we have a ministry there. The last time we had a married couples retreat, uh, we had over 40 couples uh, come to that that ministry, and we do this with uh, some Bolivian pastors and uh, other church leaders uh, work with us in that ministry. Um, we're also involved in mentoring a small group of Bolivian pastors. We meet once a month um, to study the Word of God together, to pray, and to coordinate uh, activities in the church. So in a brief brief. That's uh, some of the ministry that we're involved in, and, and you're a part of that as you pray for us and, and as you support us, and we really, really appreciate that. But back to the gospel. So what would you tell your friend? And uh, what is the gospel? You remember when, um, when the angels came to the shepherds, and announced the birth of Jesus, they said, we're, uh, we, we've got some good news. The Savior's born today in the city of Bethlehem. What is that good news? What is the gospel? And uh, like I said, I've, I've um, been very concerned for uh, what is and what is not the gospel. 
in churches in Bolivia, in my personal life, in my ministry sometimes, I find that I've had to uh, kind of re, re-clarify because I tend to sometimes uh, give a gospel that is not as clear as it should be. Another ministry that I've been involved in for the past 10 years in Bolivia is a ministry uh, with a group called DM2, Disciple Makers Multiplied. A uh, pastor here from Texas who had been a missionary with New Tribes Mission uh, felt burdened to kind of give um, seminars and further training for uh, pastors, national pastors and elders and so on. And after we met, uh, he asked me to join him and help him in teaching. And uh, one of the books that we go to first in the Bible, we, ter- we teach uh, through the Bible, uh, verse by verse, but um, uh, we start usually in the book of Romans. I want to spend some time with you this morning in the book of Romans as, as briefly and as quickly as we can and get to the gospel. And I'm doing this because of my concern for the gospel. And I'm not sure what you, would, you answered when, when you, you, you talked with your friend in the hospital. I was in, um, in a Bible conference in the, the village of, uh, or the town of Huacareta, Amongst the Simba people, about 80% of the people there were Simba Guarani people and uh, 20% Bolivians, nationals. And uh, there were 12 people that wanted to be baptized, kind of like happened this morning here. And uh, they wanted uh, somebody to spend some time with these 12 candidates for baptism and find out what they understood of the gospel and what they understood about baptism and so on. And so they divided the group up into four different groups and they gave me three young ladies to talk with. And, um, and so I did that. And I wanted to make sure that they understood the gospel. So I asked them that very question that I just asked you a little bit ago. What would you tell your friend that was dying in the hospital? Uh, he wants to know how he can be sure he's going to heaven. What would you tell him? And I asked the first girl, I think she was probably 18, 19, 20 years old, and uh, she says, well, I would tell them that they need to love God. And uh, then I asked the second girl, and she said, well, I would tell them that they need to confess their sins and do good begin to change their ways and, and, and live what is right. And the, the third young lady there, she's a mother, she had a, a baby with her, and she grew up in the community of Taperillas. Linda had delivered her uh, as, a, as a baby, and uh, she grew up in, in the Sunday school that Linda had for the children uh, there and uh, Betty uh, says to me, "Well, I'd tell them that uh, because of their sin, they're destined to go to hell. But Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sins." And you know, there's a lot of confusion about what the gospel is. There are churches that'll tell you that you um, need to speak in tongues. 
There are groups that will tell you that you need the second baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, there are, there's just a lot of confusion about what the gospel is. And I believe that Satan, his name is Deceiver, is it not? And he has done a tremendous job at deceiving people and getting them close to the door, but not inside. We live in a country full of uh, religious people, 93%, and they go to their churches and they have Jesus Christ crucified all over the place, bleeding and so on and so forth, and they're worshiping Mary. They know about Jesus. They actually know about his death. But they don't have the gospel. And maybe you're here this morning. And maybe you have misunderstood the gospel. Maybe your trust is in the wrong thing. Paul, in Romans, and I'm, I'm going to go really fast here in the first couple chapters of Romans, but he greets and and gives his authority, and he says, I declare unto you, I'm a servant uh, here to declare the gospel. And this is what Paul wanted to do. Uh, And he says, and and I've wanted to come to you many, many times, but I haven't made it, and I'm looking for a way, and I want to get there. And uh, back in uh, chapter 15, he says, And I want to, well, first he says in chapter 1, I want to fellowship with you. I want to share the gospel with you. I want to help you in this problem that you have between the Jews and the Gentiles, those that have the law and those that don't have the law. And I want to, I want to fellowship with you and you can bless me and I'm, I want to bless you. And I want you to send me to Spain. According to uh, Romans chapter 15, he had a goal of going to Spain. I don't know if he got there. A uh, pastor can tell you that after the message. Um, and, uh, and then in, in verses uh, 16 and 17, uh, he says, and this is the theme of the book of Romans, uh, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so the gospel is based on faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry, I've got the old King James. Uh, I brought a pew Bible up here, and my intent is to use the pew Bible, so I'm reading out of the correct version, but I didn't have it open there. You know, I know this is the old King James because I bought it in 73 when I was uh, getting out of high school and going to Bible school, so it's really old. But um, I want to make sure that, that we're, I'll try to use this one uh, from here out so that we're on the, on the same there. Uh, and, then, and so Paul's goal was to preach the gospel. He's not ashamed of the gospel, and he's willing to do anything to get the gospel to people. Uh, you know, there isn't much, there, there, 
there, there isn't anything that is more important than the gospel. You know, we, we watched baptism this morning and, and, and they baptized by immersion. But you know, how many inches of water you use really doesn't matter a whole lot. If you've got this wrong, the gospel, I don't care how many, how much water you had. You know, there are issues that are not as important as the gospel. The gospel is central and important, and, and we need to evaluate our ministries and our message. What are you telling your family? What are you telling your coworkers at work and, and so on? What is your gospel? Is it what the Bible says? Or are we adding to the confusion that's out there? Uh, give your life to Jesus. Open your heart. Uh, God is knocking on the door of your heart and let him in to your heart. Those things are not the gospel. So uh, Paul is passionate about the gospel. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 3, verse 8, chapter 3, he, he points out that man is in a, a desperate situation. They're separated from God because of sin. And there's no hope. And in, in, in chapter 1, uh, verses 18 to 32, he addresses the immoral sinner. And it's not, it's not very hard to read down through that portion and see that this guy is lost. You know, we don't even question it. He's, he's a pervert of perverts and uh, has some serious, serious problems. He's a sinner. But then in chapter 2, he talks about the moral sinner. Uh, the guy that says, uh, uh, I'm better than you are and judges others. He's, he's a pretty good guy. You know, he, he respects his wife. Uh, he doesn't drink. He's good to his neighbor. Uh, he does a lot of good things. Maybe he even, um, you know, gives to the poor. He's, he's a moral sinner, but he's, he's a sinner. And then in chapter 2, verses 12 through 29, um, Paul addresses the religious sinner. Uh, those that uh, say they keep the law. And he starts out by saying, well, the, the Gentile that is without the law are condemned without the law, and the Jew that have the law uh, will be judged by the law, and nobody has kept the law. And so the conclusion he comes to in chapter 3, verse 10, and let's, let's look at that and, and read it, is that we are all sinners we have a universal problem, whether we're nomads in the jungle or whether we're people here in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, we have a universal problem. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. They have all gone out of the way, they have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. And, done, and Paul does a masterful job, masterful job of getting us all lost in verses uh, 10 to 20 of chapter 3. And then in chapter 3, verse 21, he starts giving the gospel. 
And uh, this is the part that I want you to pay close attention to. Uh, Evaluate for yourself and for the message that you have for your dying friend in the hospital or your family or whoever you're witnessing to. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. We can have the righteousness of God being witnessed by the law and the prophets. It's something that we heard about uh, back in Moses' time. The law and the prophets, they spoke of it. Even the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. To all and on all who believe. For there is no difference between Gentile and Jew. They're all lost, and, and that's a universal problem, and there's only one way for them to be justified before a righteous and holy God, and that's through Jesus Christ. They can have the righteousness of God if they believe in Jesus Christ, and that's what the folks that were baptized today uh, witnessed. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So faith in Jesus Christ and uh, the redemption. Um, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. Justification uh, is, happens when we put our belief in what Jesus Christ did for us. And at that time, we become free from the penalty of sin. We never have to pay again for the penalty of sin. He took care of it for us. He paid for us. The Bible says that uh, the wages of sin is death. And he died on the cross for us. Wow, he paid that penalty. And he took care of our sin problem and our sin issue. And we're free from the penalty of sin, and we're justified. We're, we're found guiltless before God, not for, because of something that we have done, but because of something that Jesus did. He died in our place. It was a substitutionary death. I love to talk about the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. He did something that we couldn't do, and he took care of our sin problem. Have you believed in him? Is your faith in that substitutionary death? Or is it in your church membership or your good works or uh, so many other things? Is it misplaced? Verse 25. I'm going to read 24 again. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be the propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He is our justifier. 
He is the one that makes us righteous before God. Uh, The person that believes in him has eternal life and is found uh, justified. Jesus was the sacrifice for our sins. He, Jesus, Christ Jesus, was the substitute bearer. He bore our sins. The substitute. He was the substitute sin bearer. He bore our sins and um, paid what we can't pay. Verse, um, and so Paul, Paul gives a gospel there, but I'd like to also, wow, time is up. Um, okay, let's go to uh, Corinthians chapter 15, quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul also gives the gospel. And listen, listen to these verses, the first part of, of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, Paul is speaking here, I declare to you the gospel, here it is, which I preached to you. This is what, I heard, what you heard from me, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. This gospel saves you. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. In other words, what I was taught, I'm, I'm giving back to you. And it's the first thing, the most important, the central thing uh, the, that, that has to be understood. Uh, I delivered unto you the first, to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Christ died. There was a reason that Christ died. Uh, it was to take care of man's sin problem. God loved the world so much that He found an answer for the sin problem that we all have, whether we're moral sinners or immoral sinners or religious sinners, we're all sinners. And only through Christ can we have eternal life. Christ died for our sins, according to scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Uh, You don't bury live people. Jesus died. He didn't faint on the cross. He died. And they buried him, put him in the grave. And God approved of his sacrificial death on our behalf by raising him from the dead. That was God's stamp of approval on that sacrifice. They buried him and he rose from the dead, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over 5,000 brethren at once. And so the witnesses of his resurrection, the people, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And, uh, and then let's go to John chapter 3. And look at a few more verses, kind of in closing here, 
on what the gospel is. See what Jesus said about that. You know, um, in, in John chapter 14, we're going to go to 3, but John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. Uh, there isn't another way. Uh, it isn't through our own works. It's through what Jesus did on the cross. I can't confess my sins enough to earn heaven. Uh, I don't even remember all my sins. Uh, but somebody will tell you, you, you need to confess your sins. Um, it's, a, it's not a clear gospel. And, uh, and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Uh, this is the true way. There are a lot of false ways out there, folks. And, and Satan would like you to believe one of those false ways and keep you outside. And many are going to say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, I never knew you because your faith was misplaced. Please, please, personally, put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. There is no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is the true way. Jesus is the true way. Like I said, there's many that would tell you that there are other ways. But Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross is the only way that's acceptable to God. And you have to have the righteousness of Jesus if you want to get into heaven. And the only way to obtain the righteousness of Jesus is to believe in the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. He died in my place and he died in your place. He died for everyone, whosoever will may come. Chapter 3, that loved verse that we love so much, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that word perish uh, is talking about a place that we don't like to hear about very much. It's It's where those that have not believed go. It's hell. And hell is a real place. Hell is just as real as heaven. And hell is just as awful as heaven is beautiful. Where do you want to go when you breathe your last? Uncle Paul passed away last Sunday. He was 93. But he had placed his faith in Jesus Christ. And the moment that he gave his last breath, he was there with his wife in heaven. Uh, by, by the lamb who had died on the cross in his place because he had placed his faith in that substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. And we're going to celebrate Uncle Paul's life uh, um, the end of this week. It's coming week, and, and, uh, uh, but what is your gospel? Where is your trust? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There is Salvation through Jesus Christ. In this so important verse, verse 18, listen to this. He who believes in him is not condemned. And that word condemned is the same as as perish up in verse 
verse 13, it's talking about hell. That's the condemnation that those receive, those people who commit the only sin that cannot be forgiven, and that's the sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief is the only sin that can't be forgiven. I don't care how bad a person you are. There isn't, you haven't done anything bad enough that it is not taken care of by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. The only thing that you can do that is bad enough is not believe. Have you believed in Jesus Christ? That's what this verse says. It says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And the word uh, believe is used three times in that one verse. Uh, Where have you put your faith and trust? What would you tell your friend in the hospital? Do you have a clear gospel for yourself personally? Do you understand the truth of the word of God? Or, or perhaps Satan had done a good job at deceiving you into believing something that really wasn't true. Uh, misplaced faith. And uh, what are you telling your family? And what about those that you witness to? Do you have a clear gospel? Um, I just pray that you do. And the bottom line of our ministry, whether it's amongst the Yuki whether it's amongst the Ayure, whether it's amongst the Simba Guarani in Bolivia, or the pastors that we uh, mentor and work with, and the, the Bible schools that we're involved in, uh, this is the bottom line, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, it's, it's, it's just my desire that we, that we self-examine ourselves and make sure that we understand the truth of the word of God and that we're sharing it with others in a clear way. Thank you for, for listening and uh, giving me the time this morning. Thank you again for your prayers. Please continue to pray for us. We'll be going back to Bolivia at the end of November. Uh, we have almost every weekend between now and then filled up visiting churches uh, uh, and uh, traveling. And um, we're kind of doing catch-up because we, we got places shut down with us during COVID and we went back to Bolivia without going to some churches. And so we're... We're scrambling all over the place, um, and um, just thank you for your time. We, we really appreciate Limerick Chapel and appreciate the pastors and the ministries here and uh, want this church to stay close to the gospel, not close to the gospel, on the gospel. Thanks.